Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm here with Amy Davis, and we're going to talk about the Peers Project, where she is inviting and empowering high school students to impact their peers and middle school students through this unique way of bringing an abstinent education into the public and private school systems. Welcome, Amy. I am so glad that you are here so we can hear more about the work that you're doing in schools and helping students and young people. Um, would you please introduce yourself as if you were talking to a group of Pricey Clinic uh, executive directors and leaders, uh, however you might introduce yourself to some, a group like that? Sure. My name is Amy Davis, and I am the director of the Peers Project. Um, we are an education fund from the Evansville Right to Life of Southwest Indiana, and I work with PRCs locally and in the tri-state area. Okay, so tell me about the work that you do that essentially comes alongside pregnancy clinics. How do you um, connect the pregnancy clinic um, group with on, on a campus? Or tell, tell us what you provide and do and then we can explore how that's beneficial and maybe how other clinics might want to, um, yeah, understand what you're doing so they may want to adopt or follow in those kind of footsteps with their own projects and missions. So we have found that um, students really do not know about the pro-life work that is done in the pregnancy resource centers. A lot of young kids have not heard of um, pro-life resources. So as I have been in the schools um, with the Peers Project, it has allowed me to, to share about the, um, the services and the opportunity to be a part of pregnancy resource centers if needed for just general health and well, and well care and also for counseling and just for questions. And if they had questions past what we discussed in the Peers Project. So, so tell me about what, what does the peer project um, include or what, what, are, what are the, um, how do students interact with your peer project? Okay, so the peers project is in 14 different high schools locally. And what I'll do is I have an application that students are asked to fill out and they're also recommended by principals, teachers, counselors, and they're answers show or reflect whether they're making healthy lifestyle choices, staying away from drugs, sex, and alcohol, and trying to be a student leader. And what I do in the schools is mentor them, help them with teaching um, this curriculum that then they go and share at the middle schools on healthy relationships, protecting your heart with the social media that we are infiltrated with, and then helping set goals and to be a success as we move forward in their life as they continue on. So is this a curriculum that has been used in the public school setting, private school setting, or both? It has been used in both. Um, it is the Department of Education approved curriculum. So we try to uh, meet a bunch of the health and PE standards but it is done in both private and public schools. Do you have this, is it a, the same version used in both or is there a 
alternate version for public versus private? Um, we do have two, two different curriculums. Okay. Uh, but we let the school choose if they want to use the faith-based one or not. Has a public school ever chosen the faith-based option or is that even a, an option for them to pick? They have not chosen the faith-based option. And I okay. don't even know that they would because I try to go in there as someone that is just wanting to give them, um, just help their students. And so I don't usually go in there with a faith agenda because that's usually shot down in the public schools. Okay. Um, now, when you provide this curriculum, is it, is it come with like you or someone on your team um, then providing like a teaching, like in-person teaching, or what does it look like for them as a teacher bringing you in or a school bringing you in? What does that look like? So I will work with the high school students to learn a script that they'll go and teach to the middle schools. And I work directly with, um, and I also have staff that works with me too, so that we can reach all of the schools here in, the, in our area. And we work with the administration and the teachers in the middle schools. And that's, we will spend a day or two inside their classroom just teaching this curriculum to each of the students in their school, sixth through eighth grade. So did, did um, who wrote the curriculum or who was the, where did it come from? Was, did it come from an outside group or was it written by yourself or someone else? There was a lady from Indianapolis, Indiana that was a school teacher and realized that there was not a very good abstinence education curriculum up in Indiana. And so her name is Eve Jackson and she founded it. And then it was brought down to where I live in Evansville, Indiana. And we've just taken it from there and just multiplied and tried to explode it into all of our school systems here. Awesome. And does what is it a... Um did Eve Jackson make it so that people have to buy it or is it something that's more like open source where people can have access to it without having to like pay for a licensed copy? It, it is an open source curriculum. So if anyone is interested in using the curriculum, it is available for use because we believe that if a, if a teacher wants to use it and a student wants to hear it, it is an awesome curriculum. How do you, how do you fund your organization? Is it through donors or, because I mean, it sounds like you're, or do you, or is there a charge when you go into the school? Do they provide like some kind of compensation for that service? So Right to Life of Southwest Indiana funds it through their donor funding um, throughout the year. They raise funds throughout the year and we offer it as a free service to the schools. We just want to be a blessing to the schools and we don't want to have charged them anything. Um, we just come in and make it as easy as possible to be a part of their school. And so does it, ever, so essentially you're, you're teaching the teachers on how to use the curriculum more so than providing like the staff. Cause that would be very expensive. I would expect to have like, you know, the manpower to actually be in person, um, providing that like in person, but training the staff seems like a more, seems like that's a more cost effective or more of a way to, is it, or, so I yeah. Have, yeah. Here's project has their own personal staff that works in the schools. Okay. Um, not part of the school corporation. We're just volunteers that come into the schools and teach the peers curriculum to the high schoolers. And then the high school students actually go and teach it at the middle school. Oh, so the high school students teach 
this at the middle school yeah. that seems like a unique concept <laughs> yeah yeah it's so it's not just me as a as a grown-up that they hear grown-ups all the time um but it's actually their peers their high school peers that may be on the football team maybe on the chess team maybe on in the choir they're coming and they are teaching at to the middle school students um and those middle school students see them as leaders and want to be like them when they get in high school and, and actually say, well, if they're doing it, then maybe I can do it. Wow. So that's, so that, so was that part of the original um, plan that Mrs. Jackson uh, came up with was, which would have to have peers teach it to the younger ages. It was, and, and it was a really great design because she wanted to just instill like I know what I know as a high schooler because these high school students, they are abstaining from drugs, sex and alcohol, the ones that are in the peers group, but they might not have known friends that were doing that. And so with this group that gets together, they get to see that I didn't know that girl in my English class was also trying to make these healthy choices. And now there's a, there's a bond, there's a friendship that can be formed because of like-mindedness and, um, they don't have to feel like they're, you know, a lone ranger out there just trying to make good choices and healthy decisions. They now see that I've got a group of peers that are doing that with me. And so it helps build uh, accountability with one another in the high school. And they want to be good leaders because they know that they're going to be going to the middle schools to teach this curriculum. Oh, that's so well, it's, it's got so much benefit because yeah, I can see the the high school are you know taking it on at a greater level because of the the responsibility and you know and the what what everything that comes with with talking in front of a group and presenting Definitely. that. So they're essentially learning it at that level as a teacher would learn something, which is oh, that's beautiful. Um, Definitely. So when it comes to the high score going to the middle school, um. Is that over the course of a week? How many, you know, how many classes or how, how much time do they spend in that health class or physical education, you know, classroom, uh, teaching it to the, to, the, to the younger middle school age kids? So they go and speak to one um, class and it's a 50 minute presentation that we make. So they'll spend all, it could be, um, part of the day to all of the day, depending on how many students are actually in each grade level. But each student only hears a one hour, approximately one hour presentation during okay. the year. But then that one that the high school students, you know, may end up doing that same presentation for sounds like many classes based on how big that school might be. Yes, you're right. That's true. Okay. Um, how many high schoolers are working together to instruct those classes? Is it a team of, is it anywhere from one to five or what does that, what's that look like? This is the awesome part. So in Evansville, we have 14 high schools that have the Pierce project. And in total, we have between 300 and 400 peer leaders in the high schools at any given year. And in those uh, five high schools, I'm sorry, 14 high schools, there's over 25 middle schools that we present to. So thousands of middle school students get to hear this presentation. 
So, and so how many, so there's how many students again that actually are prepared or, or have done, you know, maybe there's approximately 300. Wow. All the schools um, at each school, it ranges because some schools are small, you know, with a hundred students in a grade. Okay. Um, and so we'll only have 20 or 30 at a school, but some schools have 30 to 50 leaders in a school, just depending on the size of the high school. Um, we can get more on our team because there's more students that are, can be a part of it. Wow, what a good experience for a high schooler to have the opportunity to learn something to the degree where they feel confident to stand in front of 40 or 100 or some, you know, some number of students in a class. And, right. and, and teach it. And then to ask, you know, answer questions and help people help those younger, you know, two or three year younger uh, students right. understand it at a similar level. That's really That's right. awesome. <laughs> so it's, yeah. yeah. So, um, so this is in text. Well, wh tell where's the geographic bounds of where this program exists currently? Are there any spinoffs? of other groups using that same like open source sort of like foundation? So it started in Indianapolis, Indiana. It is now in Evansville, Indiana, but it is um, in the surrounding five counties. So we're down in Kentucky as well as in four counties in Indiana. And it, it, it can grow as big as we wanted to. It, it could be all over the United States. We just have to find, this is where the pregnancy resource centers really could be a part of the peers project because I see it as if there is a staff member or a volunteer that could be willing to work with the schools and building that relationship and then doing the peers project in the high schools. It's just a great relationship between the school and the pregnancy resource centers. Really hard to understand it until you really just start talking it through and then you're like oh that's really what it is it really is a it's just really interesting and I really this I don't know how to explain that but I really do right now right to life has it at our in our location but I really see the trotter house as we expand the trotter house um throughout our country I know it's in Texas mostly we're getting ready to have a trotter house yeah. in Evansville Indiana. I see this as something that the trotter house can offer to build that relationship and that bridge between the schools and the students and the pregnancy resource centers. So I want, that's why I think it'd be great for all pregnancy resource centers to offer this as just part of a, it's not necessarily like, you know, um, pregnancy care. It is just, let's avoid being pregnant. Let's avoid yeah. having situations where we're making difficult decisions and we're maybe not ready. Let's build strong leaders. Let's build people that have values that they can stand on and, and be encouraged by adult leaders. Okay. So now I've got some, I've got some questions. Um, one is when it comes, so essentially it sounds like if someone in another state or a different County would like to um, explore this, this in their County, would they reach out to someone on your team or would they reach out? Who, who should they reach out to, to maybe do like a, um, a meeting or a zoom call to explore, or is there video footage that you essentially could just, they could just email you and you could send them a link. How would they, how would they get sort of their feet wet with like what it looks like in order to do like a review of the curriculum so they could see if it's something they would like to adopt and possibly put to use in their, in their County. 
Well, I am the director. And so I flood, you know, take all of the questions that come in and I would love, love to talk to them and ex explain. It's a very easy process um, of just figuring out how to get into the schools, the best avenues to get into the schools and finding the correct advocates for each of the schools that um, someone maybe that has that heartbeat and that passion for pro-life. And I, but I would be the one that they could talk to and then get the curriculum to them and training and everything that they would need. Okay. So it sounds sort of like, let me see if I can recap this uh, concept. It sounds like you're training people to then train the high schoolers and teach it to the high schoolers. And then the high schoolers are then being trained to teach it to the middle schoolers. So it's almost like a training the trainers um, <laughs> uh sort of uh cycle <laughs> is that right is that what right. the it's essentially training people well enough for them to then train somebody else which is a beautiful way to spread messages by giving people tools and resources and confidence and education to then be able to then help someone else come to that same place is that sort of your model i i, I agree okay. i think that it's <laughs> That's really exciting. Like that's a, it's like you're building a framework more so than just building a curriculum. You're building a way for it to be taught. Sort of. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about awareness. What, how does a pregnancy clinics brand, let's just call it hope, um, you know, hope clinic, how would uh, a pregnancy clinic brand like hope um, end up being connected with the peers project and how might their their brand become better known by people who don't need help with an unplanned pregnancy today, but might need help in the future or might know someone who needs help in the future. So if hope was to um, be associated with the peers project, we would come alongside, help them figure out how we can get the school um, to have the peers project be a part of their school and start building that network and that relationship so that they would see the whole pregnancy center as a resource and not someone that is just out on the fringes, but actually as a resource to the students. So we're building a bridge of relationships. Everywhere we go, we want it to be working together. We don't wanna be seen as um, pro-life as the enemy or pregnancy resources as the enemy or taking away any type of healthcare. We wanna be just, adding we're we are just wanting to enhance okay. and supplement they're doing in the schools and so so essentially the peers project would become a a ministry of that of a pregnancy clinic sort of like the, how they have other ministries but this would be another like the peers project by the name of the clinic I love that. yes exactly okay. that's how yes that that makes sense and so then that yeah they get associated with providing education providing um tools or educational tools for someone to avoid uh, STDs, unplanned pregnancy, abortion, et cetera, by living a healthy lifestyle, um, you know, striving towards um, a healthy marriage, you know, in the future right. for those who decide to get married. I mean, that would make sense. That relationship then with the, with the PRC, with, the, with that Hope Pregnancy Center, they built that relationship. So if they've got a question, they've got a friend in the peers project leader that will be able to say, Hey, remember, I can, I can take you to hope. I can take you to this pregnancy resource center. And so we've already built that bridge of, of relationships. So that's, I think okay. the really cool. 
do do the high schoolers get um, like some kind of like educational uh, class credit for for teaching a class to the middle school on the middle school campus? Um, at this point, it's school by school basis. Um, most of the time, it is just if they're looking for volunteer opportunities, um, something maybe for their college resume. This okay. is really strong thing for them to use on their college resume. And I wrote many scholarship letter because they're rock stars in my book and I will definitely go to bat for them when they go to to get a college scholarship or, yeah, or this, this speaks highly that they're able to to teach something that they're able to you know communicate medical uh concepts they're able to um you know that if you know some, some schools have like volunteer requirements that need to be met and this would definitely yeah help out with that but I could imagine there being um you know, a credit or some kind of educational, yeah, but essentially going on the resume is part of that, I guess, but yeah, like that, because essentially it's, it's really good. It's good work to, to teach and to help, you know, help a, another class understand the concepts. That's a, such a good exercise, even if it happens to just be at the volunteer level, at least now they have teaching experience, which is sometimes really hard to get it hard. It's hard to get that experience, which is then help, helpful to get a, you know, the next, the next you know paying project or professional project down the road right that's really right. good yeah so when I, comes, know it, right? oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no go ahead go ahead oh i was just going to ask about medical citations where which um you know how do you decide you know when it comes to medical citations and the content that you have what was you know what's your process oh i guess i guess well are they being updated since this was originally created or what does that look like uh, so at this point, they have been, they are just staying as they are. They, it was updated about five years ago. So oh, okay. they are, I still review the health and PE standards for their education department, but um, it is, it's, it's still very fluid. What part, mean, when it comes to the curriculum, I would, I would assume some parts are evergreen, meaning they don't, they don't change. And then some right. parts might you know, when it comes to some parts, they probably do change based on time, um, right. based on percentages of people who might have, you know, this or that. And that, you know, that's based off of, based off of polls or data that are based on a certain year. Um, right. And, but when it comes to like abstinence being, you know, what, what abstinence is, like that's more evergreen, meaning that doesn't change year to year. But when it comes to the number of people that, um, have, have chlamydia or, you know, or how to treat chlamydia or something like that, that would probably have, you know, that might change every five to 10 years, I would expect. Yeah. And a lot of things that we talk about in our peers project is um, how to protect yourself from all of those things. And I'm, and I don't mean, you know, with condoms and all of that, I'm talking about protecting your mind and protecting your heart. And also what you're putting in your body, whether it be smoking or juuling. So, you know, when I started doing this 10 years ago, juuling wasn't even really a thing in the middle schools. Whereas at this point, there's a lot of juuling going on in the bathrooms, you know, at the schools, or I didn't even have to deal with Instagram and a lot of social media back 10 years ago. So we really focus on well, how do you protect yourself that way? And the sexting that um, middle school students and high school students are very involved in that as, as the years have gone, different things become a focus where 
you know, whatever the culture is dealing with, we will try to implement that into the script because we see that that one risky behavior leads to another risky behavior. And so if we see them already trying dueling or drinking in high school, that one risky behavior leads to the another. And a lot of the times so that leads. I'm, I'm starting to feel sort of old because I have no idea, <laughs> like not even a guess as to what dueling is. Like what is dueling? I have no. <laughs> oh, my stars. Well, it is a um, vapor type of. Oh, of, like so a, like an e-vape? It's yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> I know what e-vapes are, um, but I didn't know. Yeah. What? Why is it called juuling? What? What's the? What's the connection there? You're asking me a question that I'm not really positive of what that answer is. So. I'm okay, probably, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. The kids just call it juuling, and I don't know. Maybe. Oh, the kids call it juuling. Okay, so that's like the maybe that's what or that's how they refer to it. And I don't know what the name of the actual um, vial that holds the um, product. So that might be called a jewel. And so okay. you're, so that, I probably. Yeah, it sounds like, okay, so it's, it's some sort of slang for for vaping. Okay, yeah, it's, and that's obviously less than, I don't know when vaping came out, but it's oh, new, yeah, obviously. Not, right, that was not very long ago. So everything just continues to evolve and change. And that's the cool thing about the Pierce Project. Whenever I work with the high school leaders, they're able to then say, you know what, we really need to talk about or focus on this this year. I see students really struggling with this this year, whether okay. it be education from, you know, sex, or it could be just something of, you know, I see a lot of girls sending inappropriate texts to people and those kind of things. So we get to change the curriculum in that way. Yeah. And how helpful would it be for her to know, you know, what, what potential risks that, you know, she could avoid by, you know, with that behavior, there's so much damage and risk that comes with it that she would not right. know until she's sort of already, you know, she, she may, she may have learned the hard way about, and it'd be right. so really, you know, so beneficial for her to know that this is what could happen in that situation. And it'd be really good for you to avoid all of that just by not getting engaged or involved at all, because it's so dangerous. Right. That is true. Um, well, this is really good. So how would, where have you seen God's fingerprints in this work of helping, helping students, helping young people, making healthier lifestyle choices and choosing abstinence and trying to you know, essentially improve their health one step at a time? Where have you seen God's fingerprints in this effort? Okay. So I have grown up um, in a home that was very pro-life. And I grew up in a church that was very pro-life. And so I didn't realize that that was not just something that was just common knowledge for people. So then whenever I got into the high schools, I realized they had never heard of the term pro-life. They never knew there was an option other than abortion. Hmm. Even in the faith community, these students do not know that. And so I saw that as such an opportunity to um show them god's love in a real way because a lot of times they're taught a narrative or they're shown a narrative that maybe isn't all the way true and whenever you pull god out of that equation of life and and um and just being being a healthy decision maker and wise decision maker whenever you see that people um aren't doing that it's interesting as 
as God just opens doors for me to be able to talk to these students and talk to these leaders, I'm able to share God's love, God's hope. Um, God values them and values their life. And so I have seen his hand of just direction as I walk through um, this journey of growing up with these high school students and middle school students that even as they go to college and they hear things in their, from their college professors about um, pro-life issues that they don't really believe, but the professors are saying are correct, they come and call me or they'll text me and say, what do you know about this? What do you think about this? What does the Bible say about this? And I'm able to still continue to share even with the college kids once they've graduated from my program. So I see it not just as a one-time um, dealing with these students. It, it's a lifelong relationship with each other and then with the Lord. I see him there a lot. Okay. So when it comes to the how, how speaking of you know graduating from the program so the first the youngest person that gets exposed to this program seems like they're in possibly middle school and they're being taught by a high schooler how much uh -huh. time does it take for that high schooler to get prepared to teach because you know if, if the middle schooler is getting a single class at you know at some point in that year how much time does the high schooler have in this program and how, how much time does it take for them to to be prepared to then be a part of that 50 minute middle school presentation? So I work with them once a week during their lunch period or during a um, club hour and we'll meet through the whole school hour. And we do that for a couple of months um, just because we want to make sure that they're prepared uh, for anything that the middle school students might wanna throw at them that they know what they know and they know it with confidence because this Peers Project curriculum gives them the words to say that they knew in their heart and maybe they believed, but they didn't know how to verbalize it. And so as we meet for those two months or so, um, preparing and practicing, it really gives them a foundation for being able to know what they know. When does the, when someone is part of this, when they see this um, presentation, what are some examples of when, when they might be introduced to Jesus at some at some point down the road like how does that possibly look like or when does that possibly happen so um as I'm working with the high school students uh, we're just doing a mentoring program as well I, I I talk to them I build um a relationship with them I just try to pour into them and love them um and love them like Jesus and then a lot of times I will let that conversation come up I'll ask them Hey, what do you do? What did you do this weekend? As I'm building those relationships, as, as I'm with them those two months prior to our presentation, I just, hey, what's going on in your life? What's happening? And faith communication sometimes does get to start there. And then also as the high schoolers are talking to the middle school students, the middle school students will be able to say, hey, you came to my class and they can start building that relationship and they'll see them their sixth grade year, their seventh grade year, their eighth grade year, possibly, and say, you know what? I want to know more about who this person is and why they believe what they believe. And it's just an interpersonal relationship type thing. It's not necessarily a scripture being taught from the podium by these students. It is just um, inside these small group relationships that we have. Okay. 
So, and part of that high school group, they, they start as young as a freshman presenting to the middle school or what is, what is that, you know, or essentially do you have everywhere from freshmen to seniors presenting yeah. the message to the middle oh. school class? Right. So what we do is I usually do sophomores through seniors just because I'm trying to give the freshmen a little bit of room to get their feet planted and know who they are because freshman year is so different than eighth grade. Okay. But whether a principal or a teacher might say, hey, this this kid's got it together and I think they'd be a great freshman um, to be a part of your team. Of course, I will definitely let them because I think it's a great thing to encourage people to be leaders in their school. So how does a school decide, or like what's the process for a school to decide to bring, you know, to allow you to engage with the students or for this to be on campus? Is it, does a teacher need to sponsor it or is this like a, a decision that the school board or the principal or, you know, I guess what are the different ways that this has been approved or brought into a school? Um, just depending on the school, if the school board gets involved, but um, principal has to be made aware and approve it. And then after the principal has approved it, me as the peer coordinator, the one that coordinates it in each of the schools, I will find a teacher or um, some type of, of a leader in, in the school that will be the advocate for it and will be the one that helps me get the applications out and, and raise awareness in the schools as we're just building the program. Oh, so it actually starts with you talking to the principal um, more. Yeah. I, I mean, I was thinking maybe a, a teacher had to like be the first step, but maybe it's the teachers, you actually can just then find someone who will um, assist and help. Yeah, be that at, you know the um, the local person promoting it and helping right. bring it in. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to work behind the back of the principal because I want to be as straightforward and be a part of what they envision for their school. And so, um, once I build that relationship with the principal, it is I'm always welcomed with open arms because they they see me as part of their school year. And so that's really a cool thing that we get to be a part of their school year. What time of year do you reach out to the principal? Is it any time of year or is there certain like certain months that seem to be ideal to start that conversation? So whenever I have met and got the approval of the principal, I usually just need it one time. Um, and so once he knows that the Pierce Project has been in their school, then I will just work with the advocate that's in the school. And we will start gathering applications for peer leaders in August or September, as soon as the school year starts. So it, it becomes a yearly thing that kind of just works like clockwork. Once you've done the hard, hard thing of the first year, um, it just really becomes a well-oiled machine after that. So the first time you talk to the principal, it may just start the following school year, it sounds like, possibly. Yeah. It can, or if the principal's gung ho about it and sees okay. the value, because other schools have seen it and they've heard about it. That's how it's really happened a lot. Of, of, oh, okay. Here is principals are talking like, well, why don't I have that in my school? And so they call me, which is pretty cool. That's another God thing. He's allowed me to be in the schools and they're calling me to be in their schools. And so they see the value of the Pierce project. It's just, um, being the blessing, that's all I try to do is be a blessing. And so the Peers Project is just a blessing to these schools. And these schools want their students to thrive and survive and, and be the best that they can. And that's what we're offering to them. And 
we're a free service to the schools. We don't charge the schools to have us there. We're just, we just come to bless them. So if a clinic in another county or state wants to um, bring this to their, bring this into their schools, do they need to, um, you know, become affiliate, affiliated with the Peers Project or is it, do they simply adopt the curriculum as like an open source piece and then they can start to use it? Can they use like the logo or is there, what, you know, what do they have to, you know, is that all free for them to use? They simply have to cover their own staffing or volunteer costs um, and, or do they, is there any financial or licensing at all for any of these pieces? No, we were given this curriculum from Eve Jackson as just something that her vision was just to multiply it throughout the country. And so it is a free curriculum. Um, once I help train them, they can have the curriculum and the training or, or just the, um, the help and getting it started is all free. Um, we just want it to, to be a part of the schools. And so however we can do that in whichever way, um, the only thing that would cost if they, which I do recommend having some type of a staff person that works for the Peers Project so that it's a consistent thing. It's not something that just is in and out of the schools. Um, but, you know, making copies for the, the script that we use, that's about the only real expense. Um, one of the things that we do as an extra expense is we buy Peers Project t-shirts. And we give the students free t-shirts and they love t-shirts. They love to promote <laughs> us even though they don't, you know. Um, so that's really cool. We love to just, and I'll buy pizza or different things like that. But, um, but really it's as much of an expense as you want it to be. There's nothing on our end that makes it an expense. Awesome. Um, so it's only in Indiana. So, uh, so tr was, so Trotter House has a couple of locations in Texas. Do they and they have one location in Indiana? Is that right? Or um, they're getting ready to open one and with hopes of opening five in this area. Okay. So, um, but we're in Kentucky as well in this in the northern tip of Kentucky. So um, we're hoping to have the Trotter House, and we actually had a Pregnancy Resource Center in Kentucky help us to get into the Kentucky schools. So I've seen it modeled through the PRC, and it, it really, really works well. Okay, so it sort of started with Trotter House, though, right, it sounds like? No, well, no, it did not. It, actually, I work for Right to Life of Southwest Indiana. Okay. So Right to Life of Southwest Indiana started it here locally. Um, but then where the PRC piece came, whenever I wanted to move to Kentucky and a Kentucky school contacted me, the Pregnancy Resource Center was kind of my advocate for getting me into the schools. Okay. And how so, so tell me, so how many, so how many pregnancy clinics do you currently, out of those 14 counties, how many pregnancy clinics, different pregnancy clinics are currently connected with the, the Peers Project? Right now, there are only two. We do not have a very big pregnancy resource presence in our area. That's why we're so excited that the Trotter House is coming up and just raising the bar of pregnancy resource centers here in our area. So we're pretty excited that it's going to be growing. Awesome. Yeah, and it, it, I'm not sure if open source curriculums are, are normal or common. I really, that's outside of my understanding, but uh, it seems beautiful as a beautiful idea to essentially 
Yeah. To make it, you know, making the goal or the mission education more so than financial gain. Like that just seems so um, awesome. Uh, well, it, yeah. if we know that the ultimate goal is to end abortion and, to, um, and unexpected pregnancies, then we just need to, we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and right now we've been able to offer this as a free service and Eve Jackson graciously created it to do that. So. Well, it's yeah. so, it's so awesome to have someone who, you know, poured into a, a project and work and now, it, and now it's being continued and used and it's benefiting and people are, you know, still utilizing it and promoting it and, and it could, and it could grow like this. It seems like the potential for this would be for, especially when it comes to it being open source, you know, the potential for it to grow and be used by many clinics um, is tremendous. How would you describe the experience with the curriculum when it comes to how, how it helps communicate with the, the students mm -hmm. or how it helps them, you know, choose healthier lifestyle decisions? You know, one story that really sticks out to me was when we were in a seventh grade class and my students were talking about, um, you know, protecting your heart from uh, things that you hear on the radio, see on internet, um, protecting your mind and, and just talking about the value of saving yourself for marriage and what does that look like and what does that mean? And there was a little seventh grade gal that raised her hand and she wasn't being rude or disrespectful, but she said, I've never heard of saving yourself for marriage. She said, I had a boyfriend in sixth grade and we were having sex, had a boyfriend now in seventh grade and we're having sex and I've never heard that this is wrong. Like I said, growing up in a church that was always pro-life, that just really my jaw dropped. So I think we have such an opportunity to just say, you know what? Your value and worth is not in a, in a boyfriend or girlfriend in fifth or sixth, seventh, eighth grade, high school. Your value and worth is actually in the Lord. And so having the Peers Project be able to infiltrate into the schools and have them be a just a voice of hope and reason. And I'm hoping that we gave that little gal something where she could say, you know what? I, I am worth waiting for. I am worth saving myself. And um, we gave her a little bit of, you know, straighter backbone. She, she had some confidence to know what she knew after hearing these students speak on, on her worth, on who she was in God's eyes. How many of your high school students that end up wanting to, to teach this to middle schoolers might have been a middle schooler and had it taught to them? Most of my high school leaders have seen it in the middle schools. They were super excited about it. They always tell me, oh my goodness, we could not wait to get to high school so that we could be a part of the peers project. And I just think that's cool. That's that positive peer pressure we're talking about. They're making good choices so they can be a part of something that will give them leadership skills and abilities. And I will say kind of the cool thing for the high school leaders is I treat them really special because they are special people, correct? I'll go and buy them donuts when they go to the middle school to teach. I'll get them donuts. I'll buy them a pizza to just thank them for all their hard work. But they think it's cool too because they get out of school for the day and they love that. So, you know, yeah, there's perks all around for them. They think it's great. 
So there was a, a program in Tucson, Arizona, where, I, where I'm from, and okay. it, it was called the Unified Students for Abstinence, and it was a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, skit team. And they came to my school when I was a senior in high school, and I remember wanting to, I ended up joining that group and was a part of it for two years. And oh. I just remember it being so much fun to see this group you know, performing skits that they wrote, you know, essentially encouraging people to choose abstinence. And, and it was just, it was had a lot of humor and it was also done by peers. And it was really enjoyable. And so I ended up joining that group and I can remember thinking, boy, I really want to be a part of that group because it, it's, it's an attractive, fun opportunity to spread good messages. And um, it just feels like your group has also, you know, I can, I can relate to that feeling of the middle school student who sees the, the older, uh, in my case, it was college kids coming to the high school. But in this oh, case, wow. here we have um, um, high schoolers coming to the middle school, which I can completely relate to just because of, yeah, my experience as a high schooler, seeing college age kids presenting to the younger peers for them. Um, and there's some gravity to that. They want to listen to their peers. They want to see somebody making those kind of choices. So that made an impact that you remembered that. And oh, definitely. Yeah. So that's and, cool. and so when you're presenting this to the high school students and getting them to do buy-in, is it your current high school students talking to their peers or is it you or an adult talking to the high school group? Um, a little bit of both. So okay. if I'm in the schools already, and there's already been a peers project group already formed, they sell it for me. The, the previous peers leaders sell it for me because they love it so much. It is just, it becomes the, um, I don't want to say the it thing to be a part of, but it is such a fun group and they get to do so many different things in the community. Um, right to life, we actually let them be a part of our annual banquet. And so it lets them meet local leaders and political people. And um, they get to do special concerts that we'll go to. So there's things that are afforded to them just because they're part of the peers project. And so I, I will do a lot of the, just encouraging them as, as somebody that's coming in and doing the peers project, but the students are actually the ones that help with the buy-in of just saying, you want to be a part of this. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, and I, uh, my story of how I got involved in the pro-life world actually sort of matches that, that same sort of story. Uh, oh. where I was a part of that unified students for abstinence, which was a ministry of the local pregnancy clinic. And then I ended up eventually working with that pregnancy clinic on um, print design. And then eventually worked on, I worked on websites for them. And it just went from there working together. Um, but I got, essentially, I, I was brought into the pro-life world through that peer-to-peer -peer group. And then that's, and that, that was my doorway into pro-life work. And here I've you know, been on it for, uh, well, more than 20 years. So <laughs> a a of, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's really, that's, that's awesome. That, you know, you're essentially, you're creating, you're bringing people in and not just awareness for those who hear it at the middle school level, but you're essentially giving people the opportunity to serve which has got yeah. such long-lasting benefits for those 300 high schoolers, or however many high schoolers are at a time per school. That's just amazing um, to give them the opportunity to serve and, and understand how to, yeah, and also to have that connection with those pregnancy clinics is 
Yeah, that's going to make a big, essentially you're creating leaders for the future. That's what it sounds like to me. Right. And then that, if you have that relationship with the pregnancy resource centers, you've got volunteer resources that you could start having. One of the pregnancy resource centers that I work with in Kentucky, they have a group that come from their school and just serve as part of their class day. They have got that arranged in their school that they'll come and actually teach or you know, work in the pregnancy resource center, whether it be uh, filing papers or stacking diapers or yeah. whatever they do. Yeah, it could be Getting, a, a mail merge. You know, sometimes they send off so much mail, it takes a, a team right. of 12 for like two hours to, <laughs> there's right. all sorts of jobs to, to be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, always. Well, that's really, that's really good. And I, I just love, yeah, I love that you're, you're promoting this message. I, I, I love the fact that there's some open source content connected to it. Um, and you've got this beautiful system to, to engage the high school uh, population in a way that they can then reteach and share it to their peers, as well as to the younger middle school uh, groups. Um, wow, that's tremendous. And so, boy, he, you know, here we are in 2021. And, you know, you know, God willing, this can grow to other places that don't have this educational um, public school, private school um, abstinence curriculum um, that, and, and, and needs it. Like, you know, obviously every, every school needs to be promoting healthy lifestyles that end, end in health and not in tragedy and right. in order to encourage more people to, um, to avoid hard situations, which is, makes a lot of sense. That's right. I, I definitely think that this is for such a time as this, our world is kind of topsy-turvy and upside down in a lot of ways. And we can be the truth that comes in and says, you know what, it doesn't have to be so crazy. You can make a difference in your community, in your little circle of influence and, and your sphere of influence and in, in, the, in the friends that you have. And so it is a really cool, cool program to be a part so it of. It sounds I'm like with, with Trotter House adopting this currently, it sounds like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be brought into the Texas counties, some, some Texas counties soon. Is that right? I would Oh, I hope so. That's that's our goal. I would love it to go all around the country. It, I would love for someone to just see the vision. Yeah, and, go and there's with really it. no barrier for it to be brought all around the country. Essentially, I mean, the barrier, the you know, the um, the requirement is that you find people in in those areas who will engage their local schools and right. to, and to be the uh, the liaison or the connection to the pregnancy clinic and. But how beautiful would that be for pregnancy? You know, the, the vision seems like it's for pregnancy clinics to be connected to those schools as being a resource for, for health and for medical right. and for healthy decisions and for help when, when unplanned pregnancies are, when they do show up, for, for that to be the, the connection or the brand or the person that's called to get help from instead of it yeah. being um, a dangerous group that promotes death and and just, you know, it's money first. I agree. I agree. Wouldn't it be nice if we were the first person they called or the first person that they wanted to seek help from is. Yeah. And that's an awareness is such a huge opportunity, but it's, a, it's also a long-term game. Uh, awareness doesn't happen easily or quickly, but it does, it needs to happen consistently. We need to have consistent awareness building. And this seems like a really con a good opportunity to engage people before they, you know, when, when one of their, when, when one of those high scores is now 
faced with their friend um, has an unplanned pregnancy. Now they've been trained and educated and empowered to be able to not just provide a referral, but to provide you know, information and guidance and probably a helping hand to bring them to that pregnancy clinic who will, who will, you know, provide love and care in that hard right. time. Right. And there's, there's that, there is that liaison, there's that helping um, aspect of it that just kind of is a great thing for students and for the PRCs. You're right. So this podcast will, you know, my goal with this podcast is for it to help pregnancy clinic leaders across the country to identify new or good ideas that may not be commonplace. And I don't know what the percent is for pregnancy clinics who have an in-school educational uh, piece. And I also don't know about, you know, how which of those pieces are open source versus have paid license costs. But this feels like for those who don't have a curriculum, this is obviously one to consider um, because of, you know, it's, it's available, it's free, it sounds great. And, and then the model, boy, that model just, that, that model seems very unique. I can't think of any other program I've heard where the high schoolers are then engaged as the teachers of middle schoolers in order to get additional buy-in from that younger group. Like that seems like a novel, beautiful idea. It um, is a really. <laughs> Have you seen any other groups that follow that pattern by using high schoolers as the teachers of the middle on the middle school campus? Is that something you've seen anyone else try through your experience so far? I have not seen them where they actually teach the class. I have not at all because really I've seen like if you're tutoring or something after school, I've seen that. But this okay. is they are taking that whole hour and just sharing the curriculum that they know, and they are the teachers. So I've never seen that before. You're right. I've never seen it. So what, what does it look like when the high schooler is teaching? Are they using um, multimedia? Are they using um, props? Are they using stories? Um, is there a book involved? What's, what does it look like? So there are tons of games um, because we want to make it audible, you know, the audible, the people see it, people touch it, people there's candy, um, you know, kids, there's a lot of question and answer. There is a lot of good in-depth teaching, but it's sprinkled in with um, some humor. And a lot of times we'll let the students give their own personal experience and testimony. Um, it's just, it's very interactive because we don't okay. want them to as just somebody standing up there teaching and just reading off a paper yeah. most of the time doesn't have to be memorized their script, but they just know it because it becomes so ingrained. And then they're like, I'm owning this. This is, this is what I believe. And so they can stand up there and it's very, it's just very fluid. It's, it's really cool. Very cool. So do the high schoolers sometimes have, you know, the, the classroom dynamics where it's hard to keep the middle schoolers attention or is it, is it easier for them to keep the middle schoolers attention because of because they're a few years older and they have like this gravity about being a high schooler. Well, that's kind of the good thing about our, whenever a peer coordinator like myself goes in and works with the high school leaders, we work really hard on knowing what we know and being able to think how would we navigate if a student tries to act up or tries to throw them off guard. And so, 
we don't allow that to happen. We are just so prepared for whatever could happen. It is just, it's a very well-oiled machine. And then that way, my high schoolers have confidence that they're not going to be, you know, not knowing what to say or what to do. It's a very controlled environment because the script is very compact and very, um, very organized. It's, a, it, it's just a very user-friendly script. If you were to train someone on how to train these high schoolers and do that work, let's say you wanted to train a, pers a person in a different state would like to get trained to be able to do this in their area. How many days, weeks, or months, or how would that, what would, what would it look like for them to go through that training? Would you do it through like Zoom calls? Would you do, would you send them videos? Would you send them, um, you know, documents or I, you know, how, what would that look like and how long would it take? And a little bit of all of that, I think. Um, I would definitely, if it was somewhere close or in the general area, states wise, a couple of states away, I, I would love the opportunity to go and um, work alongside them. But the training, it just really takes a couple of hours or days, even if there's, because it, it is a little complex in that, how does it really work and what does it really look like? But once they get the scripts and then they work through it, I, I could do a Zoom call, I could do face-to-face, -face, I could make a video. I'm very, whatever they need is, is what I will work with and do. Awesome. Well, you, you, you apparently have a lot of passion for promoting and helping. And so having that flexibility reflects a lot of passion. <laughs> oh, well, and I want people, because I want us to be the pro-life generation. We are, and these students want to be, they just don't even know that there's a pro-life generation to be a part of. So if we can get the Pierce Project into the schools, then it just, it's a win-win for the pro-life movement. Yeah, it definitely is a win-win for the pro-life movement because essentially it feels like you're working to empower youth who will be leaders in within 10 years. Um, leading right. in, in, in the decisions they make in 10 years will be impacted by this, by this opportunity and this education. And so they will end up making, you know, making different decisions. And if they didn't experience the peers project and the abstinence message and this message of hope and how in this reflection of Jesus's passion. Um, and so all of that just sort of seems to add up into like a grassroots sort of momentum building effort to give people, you know, the tools and empowerment and direction to, to make you know, life-minded decisions and decisions that will be more beneficial for health and for avoiding um, death. And just, it just seems so good. Well, and choices matter and there's repercussions for choices. So kids need to understand that. And so if we tell them in a loving way and in a way that's not like a parent, which might be, they might see as a confrontational type thing, but just as in it only makes sense to make these kind of better choices so that you can reach your goals. And then these people that we're training and leading, they are going to be our future leaders. They are going to be making these pro-life choices soon for our country because they are the ones that are going to be leading us into the future. And I, I want to empower them to know truth and know the Lord and know the pro-life, yeah. why that life is valuable. Yeah, it, it seems like that's the key is that it's coming from a peer to a peer. And so it's not like this, you know, a parent coming down to a, to a right. youth 
where it comes off as being, you know, that angle, essentially it's more, you know, they're trying to share something that they believe in with someone else, you know, of equal age relatively well within two years but right, <laughs> so i guess right, a high right. score to a middle score is slightly going down but it's <laughs> it's minimal compared to an adult to a middle score right <laughs> and that's closer. why i don't even get up there and talk because i think they already hear enough of grown-ups in the middle school so i think having that high school stand up there and just say these things is so empowering and so encouraging to these middle school kids yeah. and it's also actually very encouraging for the high school and middle school teachers that see these kids coming back and giving back to students and saying, you know what, I'm so glad that these kids I had in middle school are, are making good choices, are trying to be leaders, are trying to be successful, are trying to make a difference. And they're excited to see them back in the schools. Yeah, and it seems like you, you've, you've identified or observed acceptance when a high schooler talks to a middle schooler the information is taken differently than when the adult is given it to a middle scorer. So it seems like you've identified that it's a better, a better vehicle when it comes to someone who's closer in age for them to have a higher absorption rate or a higher acceptance of the information. It seems like Agreed. that's, yeah. And, and so when you make makes, it yeah. so interactive and so fun um, with serious things sprinkled in and then throughout it, I think it just, it really makes the difference to them and they can soak it in and, and own it. I mean, it's good. It's just really oh, great. That's good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Amy, for, for being on this podcast. I can't wait to share this. I think people are going to enjoy hearing it and I hope that they reach out to you by phone or email. We'll, we'll include that as well. And so they can, yeah, they can reach out and explore to see if they would like to bring this to their, their County and, and, invite you to uh, connect either in person or via zoom based on your availability and options. But I think that would be really, I, I, I find it an honor. I would be honored if they would contact me. It's, it's very easy. It is, it is, um, it's probably one of the easiest things they can implement into their schools to make the biggest impact of a difference. It really is. I, I would guess 20% of clinics have a school connection. Maybe it's less. I don't really know. But I was wondering, I've not found, you know, found it to be, um, they don't have that mentioning it, but I think it's like, it's probably 10 to 20, maybe 15, 10 to 15%. It's low. It's definitely low, not common. Most pregnancy clinics don't have that in their scope, but they could, they could add it and they could be a volunteer who adds it. Right. Right. And I always think if the, make it the most easiest way to do it, make it simple. And if it's a simple thing to implement, people will do it. So that's what I've tried to do with this is just make it as easy as possible to implement. Would you mind closing us in prayer and praying for this to impact those who hear it in a positive way and that they'll help you know, reach their um, campuses and so on? Sure. All right. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to speak today to those people that need to hear this message about the Pierce Project. Lord, you have used the Pierce Project in mighty ways throughout high schools and middle schools in over two states and five counties. And Lord, I know that you have great plans for it. Lord, I know that high school students, middle school students, they need to know their value and their worth. And their value and worth only comes from you. And so, Lord, I just pray that we as the pro-life generation 
will take this seriously and we will take it to the streets. Lord, I just thank you for using us in any way possible. We love you and we give you all the glory. Amen. Amen.